Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Pastor Larry answers a question about revival, and we'll continue our teaching series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy. We're just under a month away from our first Clarity to the Chaos Conference of 2023. February 17th and 18th in Niceville, Florida. Speakers include Doug Stoffer, Dr. Larry Spargimino, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, Micah Van Huss, and Josh Davis. Reserve your seats today by visiting the events page of our website, swrc.com, or give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Time to continue our series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy, with teacher and author Steve Butler. Finishing up point number four, where we were, we are admonished to study the entire Word of God if we're going to fully understand God and His will for our lives. And then moving into point number five, you cannot properly and fully understand the New Testament without having studied and preferably having studied because you have to get a background in the Old Testament. You can only do that in the Old Testament to really fully understand and to properly understand the events of the New Testament because it was all prophesied. So let's uh, let's kick into that and go to our first um, passage of Scripture, and that is in the New Testament book of Matthew, the New Testament book of Matthew. And I uh, pray that you have your Bibles with you, and if you will, turn to the first book of the New Testament, the first of the four Gospels, the book of Matthew. And we want to go to Matthew chapter 26. And the background here is uh, Jesus has finished up basically the last full day of his life on the earth. He's had the, uh, the Last Supper with the apostles. He's given them an overview of what uh, life during the church age is going to be like uh, in what's called the upper room discourse in Matthew uh, chapters 13 through 17. And now he has gone to the Garden of Gethsemane and he has been betrayed by Judas, as had been prophesied. So let's go ahead and go to Matthew 26, and we're going to read verses 51 to 56, 51 to 56. And it says, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels, and 12 legions of angels is approximately 72,000 angels. There are, um, according to history, about 6,000 soldiers in a legion, and he's talking about 12 legions of angels. And then in verse 54, how then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? Verse 55, at that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, 
and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled, just as was prophesied, actually. And so the the key phrases that we want to zero in on that we're going to explore in more detail are found in 54. How then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? So you can see the, the strong emphasis that Jesus is placing not only in the scriptures and realizing now that the scriptures he's referring to are the Old Testament. There was no New Testament at the time Jesus is speaking. So it says it all must be fulfilled just as it happened. So the point is it's not a, a vague, you know, if we can hit the high points, I'll, I'll consider that prophecy to have been fulfilled. No, no, no. He's talking about very specific details, and that is the, uh, if you will, the, the trademark of biblical prophecy is that the prophecies that are given in the Bible through the prophets come to pass in great detail and in so many ways, both in timing and in place, geography, people involved, outcomes, all in specific detail. And I'm looking forward really to uh, getting into point number six, where we go through a number of Old Testament scriptures and use those to see that what, uh, how many details about Christ's first coming, particularly were prophesied hundreds and a thousand, over a thousand years before Christ ever walk the earth during his uh, first uh, earthly ministry. So we'll get into that uh, here in the next uh, few uh, programs. But back to Matthew 26, then uh, the, the other key point, we were in uh, verse 54, the other key point is in verse 56, but all of this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets, to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. So you know that's another way of saying it's the Old Testament because the prophets prophesied, foretold the future all through the Old Testament of the Bible. So we want to uh, understand that Jesus himself is putting strong emphasis on the need to understand uh, the Old Testament, not just to read through it and say, hey, it's been a year and I've read through the Old Testament. That's good. Reading the Bible is good but slowing down and studying it for understanding and through understanding application is what we're, we're looking for. And looking at this, I wanted to uh, go to the Old Testament to show you that what happened here with Jesus when he was betrayed. Look at some of the detail about what was uh, prophesied over a thousand, uh, a thousand years before Christ actually was uh, placed on the cross. And let's go up to Psalms. So if you're, you're in your, your book of Matthew in the New Testament, we want to go about halfway back through the Old Testament to that fairly long set of uh, Psalms um, and look for Psalm 22. Psalm 22. So if you've gotten to Proverbs, keep going to the left. If you've gotten to the big book of Job, you've gone too far and back up. So we want to go to Psalm chapter 22. And I want to spend a little bit of time here uh, to give you a sense of how important it is to know the Old Testament because God told us in advance what was going to happen. He told us in advance. So let's go to Psalm chapter 22 and let's look at um, 
let's jump in at verse 14. There's a lot in here, and I just want to hit some of the high points. Let's look at 14 through 18. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I cannot count, or excuse me, I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now I wanted to go back up here and um, look at verse 14, and it says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, and it is melted within me. Now keep your hand, if you will, in Psalm 22. Pick up the right-hand side of your Bible, and let's go to the book of Matthew, the book, excuse me, the book of John, John chapter 19, John chapter 19, keeping your hand in Psalm 22, because we're going to go back and reference it several times, John chapter 19, and when you get to chapter 19, we want to look for verse 34, and in John 19, 34, it says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side, Jesus' side with a spear, and this is Jesus on the cross. He's already died, and they want to make sure that he's dead. And it says that, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. So that's one of those parts of the scripture that you just kind of read right over and don't don't uh, particularly think much about it. But it was prophesied a thousand years before. In uh, Psalm chapter 22, verse 14, it says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. When you're on the cross, your bones start to go out of joint as you lose um, your, your, your will to push yourself up, uh, to, to let your heart, or excuse me, to let your, your lungs actually breathe. Your, your bones tend to go out of joint and your heart becomes like wax. A good cross-reference from a thousand-year-old prophecy to what happened actually with Christ. And then it says, um, my strength in verse 15 of Psalm 22 is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. And let's go to uh, John again, uh, John chapter 19, which is a description of his uh, crucifixion, and we look at verse 28 through 30. And it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. So here you have the evidence of uh, the um, knowledge that Jesus had of what was said about him over a thousand years before he walked the earth. He said, to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So there we have the Old Testament confirming the New Testament, the prophecy in the Old Testament confirming the fact in the New Testament 
that uh, Jesus needed to ask for something to drink, to moisten his mouth because his tongue was cleaving to his jaws, as it says in uh, verse 15. Then moving on in Psalm 22, looking at other prophecies that were fulfilled, uh, verse 16, for the dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers has encompassed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. Now, the thing to understand here, I mean, obviously we're talking about crucifixion because it's the only form of capital punishment where they drive nails into your hands and your feet. And what's particularly interesting, at least to me, is that what we read in verse 16 from 1000 BC, if you will, was a form of crucifixion that had yet to be invented. It wasn't going to be invented for hundreds of years in the future from the time that it was written here. So here is God giving us clear evidence. He says, I tell you the end of all things from the beginning. And here he is a th- hundreds of years before this horrible form of capital punishment was invented. They're already describing it as it relates to, uh, to our Lord and Savior. And then uh, looking at verse 17, it says, I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. And the reference here, and there are other references in the Old Testament as well, but the point here is I can count all my bones, and the, the uh, point here is that they did not break his bones. And you know that it was common practice in crucifixion that if they wanted the, the uh, prisoner, the accused prisoner on the cross to die quickly, they would break their legs so that they could not hold themselves up because they, they even though their feet were attached to the cross post with nails, they still would use their strength to lift themselves up so that they could breathe because their lungs were being collapsed down based uh, because of the weight of their, their chest. So if they broke their legs, they couldn't lift themselves up and they would die much more quickly. And when they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs because he had already given up his spirit before they got there. That's when they drove the spear into his side just as a, just for good measure to make sure that he was dead. And we find that, that none of the bones were broken in John chapter 19, verse 33. And it says in John 19, 33, but coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. So a significant point. And then the last one here in Psalm 22 that I wanted to cover was they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And for that, let's look at a, another book because the crucifixion is obviously covered in more than just uh, the book of John. Let's go to Mark chapter 15, and let's go to verse 24. And in Mark 15, 24, it reads, And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. So exactly as has, had been prophesied in Psalm 22 a thousand years before, they did exactly that. What, what wonderful confirmation and therefore authenticity we have simply by looking, taking a little bit of time to study the scriptures and to see how they fit together like a puzzle from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Make sure you stay tuned for the next installment in our teaching series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy. Friends, 
Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation is an excellent book to continue your study of Bible prophecy. One of the chapters is written by Steve Butler. There are also chapters by Larry Spargimino, Kenneth Hill, and Noah Hutchings. Order your copy of Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online swrc.com. Another outstanding resource is the book What's Next by Dr. Kenneth Hill. What's Next looks at the different views people hold to concerning the end of the age. Order both Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation and What's Next by calling 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order both books at our website, swrc.com. Pastor Larry comes now to answer a question that many are wondering in these trying and troubling times. Pastor Larry, is it possible to have revival? Most Americans do not realize how wonderfully blessed we really are. I'm not speaking about the food, the nice homes, the modern conveniences. When I speak about how blessed we really are, I'm referring to the fact that we still exist as a nation. It's only by God's grace that Russia hasn't sent its Satan II missile. It's only by God's mercy that fire has not come out of the sky. If God holds off on destroying this nation, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Our evil has far outdistanced the devil and the evil of those ancient cities that God incinerated in a flash. He could do it again. In fact, I'm surprised that he has not. Just think of America for a moment. You know, America has been greatly privileged. We started out as a Christian nation. Our founding documents and laws reflect a biblical basis, but Many Americans now hate their Christian history and try to deny their Christian history. We will be judged on the basis of the many wonderful privileges that we have taken for granted. In Matthew 11, verse 21, Jesus said, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. You know, friends, we have a lot of disgraceful and shameful things going on in our country. The abuse of human life that is occurring on our borders. I'm speaking in particular of sex trafficking, the sale of little children and women, it's a disaster of unprecedented proportions that is occurring because our borders are open and uncontrolled. While anyone can become a victim of trafficking, illegal aliens are highly vulnerable to being trafficked. They are in the high-risk category. They have no legal protections. Their ability to use English and speak out is very limited. They are at the mercy of those who would use them for financial gain. In some cases, even relatives of children sell their kids to raise funds for their entry into the U.S. The failure of the Democrat Party in general and the Biden administration in particular to secure the border has exposed hundreds of thousands of hapless victims to degrading, unhealthy, and unsafe conditions. According to Wikipedia, human trafficking is the third largest crime industry in the world, behind drug dealing and arms trafficking. It is the fastest-growing activity of transnational criminal organizations. 
The sexual revolution in the last several decades has radically transformed the public's view of sexual morality. It has ceased to exist. Attempts to legalize pedophilia, drag queen story hours, and the aggressive and shameful LGBTQ agenda has opened the door to misery, grief, and bondage to millions of people. Sex trafficking is a pandemic in the United States, and it is time to end the demand. That's the problem, the demand. Just like there is a demand for illegal drugs, stop the demand, and you've gone a long way in solving the problem. If the drug dealers could not do any dealing, they would go away. The liberals in government do not understand that. They tear down the Bible and those who believe it. They make a mockery of Bible morality. So what happens? Calamity. We're facing calamity. You know, friends, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these other things will be added. If we don't do this, everyone suffers. Little children suffer. Mothers suffer. Families suffer. The Biden administration does not understand this. They want to satisfy lust by creating lustful situations. They think they're going to solve the problem by legalizing that which is causing the problem. Hey, guys, it doesn't work that way. We have to understand that. The eyes of the world are watching us. They see our national image. Here's our poster. The words on it read, The Ugly American, Sex Trafficking and Our National Humiliation. That's what we're all about. Isn't that sad? You know, the statistics are out. One in five males have paid money for sex. Wealthy Americans have booked vacations to destinations where their sexual appetite of choice, including little children, can be easily purchased. We have a plethora of national problems that will never be solved until we return to the Word of God, the Holy Bible. And I'm not just speaking to non-believers. I'm speaking to Christians. We are to seek God's kingdom first. How many church members have that mentality? How many pastors and church officers follow that mandate from the Son of God? How many of us in the church, how many of us who serve the Lord are broken at the fact that we are so weak and so feeble and that there's so little of the Holy Spirit's activity in our midst? Haggai the prophet had a message for us that's very relevant today. His book takes up only two chapters in the Bible, but Haggai's message comes through loud and clear. The Jewish people have returned from Babylonian captivity They had laid the foundation of the temple, but the work has stopped. For 16 years, they neglected God's kingdom agenda. Instead, they took care of their own agenda. They built beautiful homes with paneled walls. They were suffering from what American Christians are suffering today, spiritual insensitivity and zero inertia. They were stuck in a rut and were paying dearly. They put God's priorities on the back burner. Does that happen to us? Is that happening to us? You know, in Haggai chapter 1, the prophet tells the people to think carefully. You've planted much, but harvested little. And Haggai tells them, because of you, the skies have withheld the dew and the land its crops. They were frustrated. They were failing. Things were not going right. One of the ways you can know that you have not put God first is when you feel you've been living an unsatisfied life. To get our attention... To force us to wake up, God brings problems that mount up, like we're having in America at the present time. They get bigger and bigger. You feel smaller and smaller, more and more inadequate and totally unable to cope. But if we're putting God first, we will find meaning, 
satisfaction, and lasting joy. And that's my hope for this country. But I want to move on to another item and close this report on a very positive note. If I leave you with a negative note, I would be giving you only half the story. I believe in a coming revival. That revival follows a spiritual awakening. And I'm seeing positive signs, signs of a definite awakening. All around our world, in Muslim nations and in China, we are finding a deep and profound dissatisfaction with the status quo. And we are seeing an advance in the kingdom of God. Lives are being changed. I had the privilege of going to Pakistan several years ago and starting a church and also a Christian school. Pakistan has some 700 brick kilns. Residents of the kilns who are mostly Christian, poor, and underprivileged, they work making bricks. Even the kids work and make bricks. The children cannot go to public school because they are Christian and are exposed to abuse, and they cannot afford a private education. So Southwest Radio Church has funded and is funding Grace Charity School. We're so grateful to those people in our country who want to see works like this get going, and they love little children. Now, I should also report that Americans love to pray. In response to the life-threatening injury to Buffalo Bills football player Damon Hamlin, multiplied thousands of people prayed. Hamlin's teammates and coaches prayed. Millions of fans joined in prayer. In times of crisis, especially life and death crises, people turn to God. Yes, in America in 2023. I do believe that there is hope for America. ESPN analyst Dan Orlovsky prayed for Hamlin on live TV. He said, maybe this is not the right thing to do, but it's on my heart that I want to pray for Damar Hamlin right now. I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm going to pray for him. And that's exactly what Orlovsky did, praying with honesty, praying without shame, and praying with explicit trust in God. Now, what did his co-hosts, Laura Rutledge and Marcus Spears, do? Did they express their surprise or even displeasure? Did they show their discomfort with this bold act? Not at all. They also bowed their heads and closed their eyes, adding their respectful amens. Friends, indeed, it is time to pray. Yes, and time to seek God's kingdom first. Make obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ your great priority. Walk in his footsteps. Pray for revival. Live for revival. Sacrifice. Give. And do the work of the Lord. Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation is an excellent book to continue your study of Bible prophecy. Order your copy of Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation when you call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. Another outstanding resource is the book What's Next by Dr. Kenneth Hill. What's Next looks at the different views people hold to concerning the end of the age. Order both books, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation and What's Next, by calling 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order at our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. We have an exciting program up tomorrow. Dr. Spargermino will debut his brand new book, Calvinism on Trial. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station. 
by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit swrc.com.